you ever struggled finding balance between work and your family life? Have you ever wanted to escape the corporate world to start your own business or turn a passion of yours into profit? Well, if you have, then this episode is just for you. I am talking to female lifestyle entrepreneur, Sue Parker, who managed to leave her nine to five corporate job and started a business she was passionate about and which also gave her the time and location freedom she wanted as a mom of three kids. She is now on a mission to help others to do the same. So listen in. I am sure you will pick up some tips and guidance on how to make those changes and first steps yourself. Enjoy. Sue, welcome to In The Spotlight and thank you so much for making the time to share your journey and wisdom with us today. Please tell us your story and how you ended up leaving your corporate job to start your own business a few years ago. Well, Lizzo, thank you so much for letting me come on your show and share my journey and hopefully inspire some other people to do the same thing. So thank you so much. Um, so for me, it probably all started when I had a burnout. So I was climbing a co- corporate career ladder. I eventually got my dream job as a head of data and I thought, you know, I made it. I'm starting to get somewhere with my career. And for anybody who works in corporate or to be honest, in pretty much any profession, you'll know that there's a lot of unconscious bias and there's a lot of conscious bias against women. We have a tough ride. It isn't quite as easy as it seems. And for many years, I never spoke about it. I was always, if I say something, then it will be viewed badly on my career. And eventually I got so frustrated with it on the corporate board. I would sit in boardroom meetings and I became so frustrated with it that I started to go on equality and diversity talks and and speak about this. But what happened in the meantime is I I hit burnout and that was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. I remember lying in bed at night. I'd been snappy for weeks. I'd been working really long hours and my head was like a washing machine. It just wouldn't switch off. And then I had heart palpitations and I couldn't breathe. And I just panicked even more. And the next day I went to the doctors. I I couldn't face work and I just broke, broke down in tears. I got signed off for a week which turned into six months, which turned into the uh, the worst year of my life, to be honest. I actually felt like I'd lost a part of me, who I was. I didn't know what to do. I felt like a failure. Everybody else seemed to be succeeding. And, and that kind of really scarred me, scarred me in a massive way, but I just lost everything. I didn't know my direction in life or anything. And I got back up, went back to work, carried on pretty much as I was, not learning from a lot of the lessons, to be honest, not learning what had gone wrong, not learning how to do things differently. And it wasn't until I had my son that I started to really reflect on what what kind of a life am I building here? Hang on, what did I want? Yeah, I got a great job in IT. Everybody was telling me, you've got a great job in IT, you'll have a great career, da, 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 da. you know, uncles and parents, you know, proud of you. And you feel like you're doing the right thing. You're independent, you're buying a house, you've got a car. Now I'm having my son, it, putting him into childcare was what everybody was doing. So it feels like you're doing the right things, you know, by a checkbox standard. But internally, there's this incongruence. You know, your values are saying, no, I, I want to be at home with my son now, but I can't because I have all this. I'm trapped in this debt and in this cycle and in this life that I've created. And then when I had my daughter, it was just exacerbated even more. And I remember I would drop them off at childcare at half past seven in the morning. I wouldn't pick them up till half past six. 
Yeah. One day I picked my son up from after school club and he said to me, hey, mum, I just wanted to pick, pick me up earlier. He was really angry with me, really angry. And what I understood later on is he'd spent the last hour playing with a teacher on his own because all the other kids had been collected. Mm-hmm. And my heart just, my heart just went out. And I remember being away on a corporate event and, you know, there was this management away weekend. And I remember one of the directors saying to me, her daughter was angry with her because she missed the parents evening that week because work was more important. And my heart inside just wanted to scream, no, it's really not more important than your daughter. And we just didn't see eye to eye on that. And it was, it all just accumulated, if you like, in my mind, just kept saying to me, you're doing the wrong thing. You're in the wrong position. But I was so trapped, like I said, that it took two years of planning, working with my husband, getting my mindset out, figuring out what I was going to do to be able to release me from the burden of that or from just the shackles of a career, a rat race, the cycle that we're all in. And so I understand what anybody's going through now and the doubt. And I also understand the pullback because I had the pullback as well later on and after I'd had my daughter of actually the sensible thing now is to get a a regular salary. And so much of our societal systems are geared up towards us just having a job contract. You'll know with anything you're doing, if you want to take out a loan, if you want to have a car, if you want to have a mortgage even to buy a house. I think I know exactly that thing that you had. Like I was very much myself also in the corporate world, working 10, 12 hour days, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I'm doing great as a woman. I'm actually quite in a senior position. I was at the time, I'm talking nine, 10 years ago. Um, and I was doing great. And that was all I was thinking about. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to have children. There's no time for children. And then actually got pregnant unplanned at the time, specific time wasn't planned. And I was just thinking, well, you know, how is this going to fit in with everything? And it was the best thing that happened. Because as soon as I had my son as well, I realized like, well, you know, that is the more important thing. And those three years of not working with two small kids was the best thing. And I basically realized after that, but I don't think I want to go back to the corporate world. I can't go back to the nine to five. You know, I want to spend time with the kids. And that's what made me thinking about it. What can I do to create something that I can fit in the children as well as doing something? And I think so many people, and as soon as you become a mum, you have that um, conflict between your career and what you want to do for your kids. And for me, it was like, okay, can I just, that took so much of my time and my energy of thinking, how can I do that? Um, and I'm grateful that I, when I had to go back into a corporate role, when um, we came back to the UK and my son was four and had to go to school, that I could work in the school hours and I've created where I live and where I work close to where the school is that I can do drop off and pickups at normal time. But you still have that conflict. So there's always that pull of how can I find this balance and do all of that? Yeah. So then maybe you don't want to work really anymore, but sometimes you have to, obviously. So I love that you brought up this conflict you have. And I definitely had this. And I think many people do, especially if you're quite ambitious, you want to have purpose, you want to have meaning to your life. You've you've worked so long for this identity. You know me, I, I couldn't give up this identity of being an IT manager. It felt like it was who I'd become. I'd spent years working towards it. So the first thing you do as a mum is you do look for part-time work or you look for something that is in the same profession, but more flexible, like you've managed to find and, and sort out for yourself. 
So it's not necessarily about saying, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just about saying my priority is this. So I need it to work with my life. And the problem is for many of us, corporate careers don't fit. They want the nine to five. Like you say, they want the extra hours and you don't feel that you're able to fulfill your purpose and your meaning at the same time as being 100% there for your children. Now, I know corporate dads who are having the same struggle. They are having to arrive at half past eight in the morning, which doesn't sound very early. But when they're saying, actually, that's my one day of the week I do kids drop off. And that means something. It's not just that I do a kids drop off and it's just dropping them off at the door because I logistically have to. It's that I want to say goodbye to my kid and wish them a beautiful day because I love them and I want to give them the best start in the morning and I want to be there for them. Like you say, while they're young, it's the best time to do it. And I know dads that have turned up and said, I've had to stress this morning to get here for this meeting. And this meeting's not even started yet. Or this meeting has become the burden, bane of my life because that's the day I do the kids and I want to do the kids. So to have present parents is so important in the upbringing of children. But then our work lives, as in our, you know, the traditional nine to five, doesn't doesn't support that and this is where really there needs to be a cultural change there needs to be an acceptance of this if the corporate world is to keep people with that have got talent because otherwise what's actually happening is the shift we're seeing which is what i did is a lot of people start by going freelance so freelance basically means and i I actually i actually regret this period of of my my entrepreneurship, if you like, but it's what so many of us do. We basically swap our day job to be employed doing our day job, but finding work ourselves, doing our own marketing and doing our own financing and invoicing. So all of a sudden you've got that burden. I know so many people who've swapped a copywriting job in an agency for copywriting freelancing, and they have all these extra tasks that they now have to do, like finding work regularly. And the problem with that, of course, is you're still exchanging time for money. So it, it was took me a while after I was exchanging time for money. I was doing people's sales funnels. I was setting up their websites, their domains, helping them get their online business shaped up. And what I realized was all I'm doing is exchanging time for money. So I had two choices at this. And, and most people have this as well is you have the choice of either recruiting people and creating an agency. So you then have to decide if you want to scale or if you want to stay solo entrepreneur, you've got to decide how other how which other ways you're going to make money, passive incomes, if you like, or recurring revenues that mean you can scale as a solo entrepreneur. Now, one of the things that we've been doing as a family earlier on is we did property flips. So we would buy property and we would do it at my husband's in the trade. So it's kind of it lent itself to it. And I was always passionate about that sort of thing. And project management kind of came easy is that was what we did. And then after a while, we realized what we should be doing is buying these properties to keep them as a buy-to-let portfolio. And that will give us some passive income. Mm-hmm. One of the things you'll realize if you ever look into doing property is that it's far from passive in the beginning. A lot of time, a lot of capital. Now, if I was to wind back the clock, what I would probably do is while I was in my corporate career is I would have taken on some buy-to-let mortgages because I would have been very financeable. I would have taken drawn capital out of our own home to get some deposits down. And I would have looked for investors. But all of this, like you say, takes a massive amount of time. When you've got a family and a corporate career, it's really difficult to juggle these things. But that's something we're doing now. So that's that's something we're working on. But it makes it more challenging because obviously you're now self-employed and you haven't got certain backings. There are other ways of doing it, joint venture 
venture deals are something I would highly recommend people explore with people who know what they're doing. So that's something we do with people now is we have a look at joint ventures. But the other thing is thinking about how you can leverage things like digital courses, memberships, content creation, and how you can then use sponsorship and other revenue streams on your content creation. So there are so many different ways of thinking about how you can generate an income that means you're not being the freelancer that's exchanging time for money. And that's the crux of it. When you've got a family, when you've got children, or when you just want to have more time freedom, more travel freedom, you've really got to look at that. But the problem is so many of us start with that. We start with what am I going to sell instead of starting with why am I doing it? What am I, who am I creating it for? What's my mission here? Because kind of the what you're going to sell comes after that. So actually, the first thing you should be doing is starting an audience, building an audience, which is what you're doing here with your podcast. You'll be having listeners who resonate with your values and the things that you're doing. And anyone can do this. You've probably got listeners who are posting on social media all the time, but they're not realizing that every time you post on social media, you're building an audience or or credibility and authority. And if you can do that more and more around a particular topic, that is your passion that you'd like to explore as your business, then that will really help you. And I like to think of when you're thinking about how to turn your passion into a business, I always think of a Venn diagram to to figure out if it's going to work for you. And one of them has got the circle has got your passion in it. So it might be that you're really passionate. I've got a lady coming on about dog training, for example, and she's really passionate about dogs and she had a dog and from rescue and she needed to train it had some bad habits and then the other circle will be your strengths or skills and you should always play to whatever your strengths are so like here you're great at presenting and you like chatting to people and learning their stories so naturally that lends itself to you maybe there's something you did in your corporate career for me the problem with looking at that was I didn't want to do the same thing I did in my corporate career and I hear this so often people just want to reinvent themselves I mean who doesn't why not And we can. This is the thing. Don't tell yourself you can't. If you haven't got any skills or expertise in an area, but you want to explore it, do a digital course. If you don't know if you'll like it, go on Udemy and buy the cheapest course you can that's got the most reviews. Try it. And if you like NLP or if you like life coaching or whatever, then you get a feel for whether or not it's your strengths and whether you love it and you're passionate about it as much as you think you are. And then the other circle in the Venn diagram is about market demand. There are some things that there's just not a great market demand for. But then, you know, there's things that catch you out. Dog training, dog training for businesses. There's actually a really massive big demand for. Um, Some of the areas that you wouldn't think is is quilting. I, I know somebody who makes good money off teaching people how to quilt or giving them some advice or selling them some access, you know, all the bits and bobs to do quilting. I would never have thought of that. To me, that's just a crazy niche that surely not many people are interested in. But They are. So market demand, you know, sometimes it's in those funny niches. Um, My son is a big thing about um, YouTubers who do Minecraft. So they sell merchandise and they sell all sorts of other things, things that I would never even thought of, but there's different markets for it. So that's probably where I would start. And that's where I did start is I went, I went freelancing, doing what I'd done in my corporate world. I then realized that, you know, my passion was, was really waning in that area yes there's a market demand if you're going to create an agency I didn't want an agency I wanted to keep lean so I've since learned that you know my audience actually value my coaching more than anything else and what I love is just empowering people to figure out what is this business how do I make it work and then the biggest piece of the puzzle is helping people to figure out how do I take action because I don't feel like it I don't believe in myself there's a 
big bit of a mindset of um um but I I like this thing but I'm not qualified in it you know or I don't have the money for it or I can't but how do I start so what would you recommend to, what tips what steps can somebody take to just start yeah absolutely so the biggest thing I would say that is going to really rocket your performance will be audience building. Now, here's the thing. If you're in a career, one of the ways you can build an audience is on LinkedIn, but you might be like I was, very reluctant to post on LinkedIn because your colleagues see it, your manager sees it, your directors see it, the CEO sees it, and you're worried about how it will be taken. Um, One thing I would say is you'll reach a point where you won't care. (laughs) You'll want to do it anyway. But also what you'll find is some of those contacts, you know, they'll admire what you're doing. They will be rooting for you. They'll be liking and sharing or they'll be commenting on it in the hallways. And so long as you've got, you've accepted that and you've accepted that you almost have to say, this is this phase of my life, but I'm phasing this out to do this new thing. So I have to transition. Now, if you feel super uncomfortable with building an audience on LinkedIn, go on Instagram, go on Facebook, go on one of the other platforms and do it. But the single fundamental thing that you should be doing is putting content out there to build an audience. I would always recommend when you start off, just put some content out there, connect with other people in your industry, maybe do some speaking with them, show up at a meetup. If you know meetup, you can go on there and search for events for women or events events for dog groomers or whatever in your area or just online. You can speak at those. You get to network and connect. During this time, you'll learn a lot about yourself, whether you like it, whether you don't, whether you fit in, whether you feel like this is your crowd. But also you'll get to evolve who you are, what your space is, what your USP and opinion is on how people are doing it in the industry. And as you start to put content out there, you'll get more comfortable with it. You'll start to go deeper dive with the topic that you want to cover. And then the next thing you want to do is start building an email list. As soon as you can, you want an email list. What freebie can you give away? What lead magnet? What free training session can you get them to sign up for? What live can you get them to sign up for? Is there a way you can persuade them to give you your email address as currency? And this gives you a way of contacting them outside of social media. It takes them off that social media platform and into your domain so you can control that list. Okay. Lots of people these days also offer newsletters or you know a weekly piece of content, a weekly I don't know, meal plan or something like that that draws them in, that ticks their box. You can ask them. And when you're putting content out there initially, whatever works, if somebody likes to listen to the top five tips on something, then give them a freebie that tells them the top five tips on something every month or something. That entices them to sign up. Then when you do that, you can start to questionnaire those people. You can start to do lives, maybe even get them in a Facebook group if that's how how you want to nurture them. And then that's when you start listening. What is it I can sell these people that's really going to help them? Is it that I'm going to do affiliate links and I'm going to sell somebody else's product and get commission on it? Is it that I'm going to create a digital course because now I feel confident enough? And here's the thing. Most of us think this is an overnight thing because you'll see an advert that will say you can have a 10K business in 60 days and you can't. We all know that. I was going to be a millionaire in my first year, you know, with two kids at home under five. But it, it doesn't work like that. It's very much a long game. And you almost have to accept that I've got to put in the long game. I've got to set some boundaries up around my work so that I can make time to do it. And I've got to stop asking for permission. Because here's what I notice a lot when you're a woman is 
you feel like with your partner or with your family or your colleagues, you're almost asking for their permission, for them to grant you the permission to go out and put your content out there, to go out and say, I'm in business, I'm doing this. You're waiting for their permission, but really you just have to give it yourself. That's very, very true. Um, and I think as women, many times we we try and be every we, we try to be there for everybody else. You know, we you know put the kids things first. You know, be a good wife or family better or householder or you know do your great a great job with your corporate job. You know, there's so much that we feel. Be a good friend. Be a good sister. Be a good. Um, there's so much that we put on our plates, and somewhere sometimes ourselves slightly come last you know what we really want to do and we're waiting for them to say or something or somewhere just say well okay now you can have your turn you know <laughs> I don't think that is ever going to come you know we just need to acknowledge that you know we we don't need the permission we, we can do something and believe who we are and become who we want to become ultimately when everyone else is gone and they're living their lives you're answerable to you and your regrets and you can't blame anyone else you're not the victim here you get to accept responsibility for the actions we are or aren't taking each day and when that sort of resonated with me I was like okay I'm waiting for somebody like you said to give me a few hours of free at a weekend or in an evening to pursue my personal passion my little project but I was never going to come I had to give it me and I had to be guilt-free about it because here's what we also do as parents is we go oh but I should spend all of my time that I'm awake with my kids or working and when I'm not working, I should be with my kids and I should be doing this. But the reality is, and going back to that conflict you talked about at the beginning, you want to fulfill your purpose, but you also want to be an amazing parent. And being a parent to me is the first and foremost, the biggest, most important job in the world. But after that, I do have, you do have a you, an identity, a purpose to fulfill in the world. And you have to make time for that because when you fill that cup up and when you feel like you're doing something good, you're progressing. It makes you show up better at home and with the kids. And also what they see, you know, the ambitions of my kids since I've started filming, since I've started doing the podcast, it's just unbelievable. The creativity, the ideas, they wouldn't have that if they just saw mummy go to work in an office every day and sit in a block and then come home late and sit on a laptop. They wouldn't see the creativity, the ideas, the spark, the passion that, that rubs off on them. Yeah, very true and it's a thing that you um you can really only be the best you if your cup is full and you always think oh you know if I do this thing um I don't want to say for myself if I do this thing that I really want to do oh you know how's it going to affect the kids I might have less time with them but if you are happier and better and more fulfilled you'll be a better mom you'll be better you know for everybody else around you I mean think it was in one of your podcasts you talk about you used to tell your husband well I want to do this tonight will that be okay you know and and you had to change actually the wording that no it's that I want to do this I need to do this you know or I am going to do this I think it's the same thing as the permission thing and it stuck with me because you know, I would do that. Oh, I would like to do this. Um, oh, no, I need to. But then also, I guess, making clear to the people in your life, whether it's a husband or a partner or um, a housemate or a friend um, or a parent even, 
know, this is why I want to do this. This is why I need to do this. And if you can make a bit of an arrangement, then you both can have a bit of understanding and give each other that space to to achieve those goals, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's about that permission. It's And the language, like you said, it's I need to versus I should do, I would like to do. It's no, I need to. This is important to me. It, it was very much about a communication. You know, we don't like to ask for what we need. You know, we want support, but we don't communicate what that support looks like. So they're all like, well, I'm telling you, it's okay. It, you know, I'm supporting you. But actually, what does support mean? Support means I need a Sunday afternoon off or I need a day a week to do my podcast or I need this. And what I found was if you don't communicate that clearly enough, then a lesser goal of the other person just takes over. You know, that might be I'd like to nip here and I'd like to nip there. So I'm just going to go and do it because you haven't communicated clear enough that, no, my needs are. I need to do this and it's very important to me. It it goes back around to exactly what you said earlier on. We put everybody else's needs and priorities above ours, even when the reality is they're just a little ask. How can we make sure we schedule these things in our days? You know, say you're still busy with your corporate job. You're still busy with the things that you need to do, all the things we've just mentioned. Do you have any tips on how we can just start little by little, I guess, to make a difference? Because I'm very much with the catch-22. Like, I want to do something else that's a bit more of my passion. I want to start my own business. I want to start something. But because my corporate job is so busy, I don't find the time to do that, which will make me escape. So I'm stuck in this catch-22. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so hard. I'm not going to lie to you. That is probably the hardest time of my life exactly what you said there you are so committed to your job you know it's very difficult when you've been so conscientious and you're so ambitious or you're so so hard working to scale back in your corporate job and most people I talk to you know the reason you want to do something else is because you know you you've got the potential and you've got the potential which means you've probably got a job that's always really demanding it's not like you do a job that doesn't require your brain so your brain's fried by the time you get to the end of the day let's be honest getting your laptop out at 11 o'clock at night when the kids gone to bed doesn't feel like something you want to do um so here's the thing I had to try and work different schedules to try and make this work and I had to commit to just doing small amounts and having really slow progress I also had to talk about how we were going to do it financially in the house. So I did two things. Number one is I got very specific with I'd like half a day a week off my corporate job. So I just reduced my contract ever so slightly, but I kept the childcare up. I justified it that way. The kids, two of them had gone into school by then. So financially, it was okay to do that. That half a day, I said I would commit to myself. However, any of us with a demanding corporate job no, you just give that back to your job you on your emails and things so I had to over a period of time establish clear boundaries the boundaries meant I stopped working through lunch and it didn't happen overnight I had to gradually do it it might be three times a week I just didn't work through lunch anymore and it might be that I went for a walk and I listened to a course I was doing about NLP for example it might be that I went for a walk and listened to a podcast that was going to inspire me and give me some content ideas it might be that I took my I was working from home and I took myself into a different room and recorded a podcast that was my lunch break very specifically intentionally set my boundaries That afternoon off that I had, I would make sure I worked, but I'd have to have a very specific task I wanted to complete, like creating an email funnel, for example. That's the key thing is you've got to have that clarity of what you're doing to be able to make it worth your while. If you're a night owl, you might sit up with your laptop and do a few evenings a week, but celebrate yourself and make sure you're getting the rest. 
when I started to write my book, I would make sure I got up at five o'clock in the morning and I'd do an hour's writing my book before any of the kids got up. And I managed to keep that up for a few months. So it is about figuring out when can you do a little bit of work on your business and feeling good about it, celebrating it. I mean, I used to get to lunchtime and I used to go, right, I'm going to do my blog now and then I'm going to eat my lunch. So it's habit stacking. James Clear's book talks about habit stacking. If you've ever heard of this, it's basically where you attach a new habit you want to do on top of something you already do. And you already do it at the cadence you'd like to do it. So for example, lunchtime happens every single day. I'm going to lunch at this time. So I'm going to do my blog post before I start eating my lunch. And it's a given, it's going to happen. But you have to be really disciplined. So setting boundaries is the biggest one. Um, Deciding about how to manage the transition. So here's the thing. If you bring all your work home and it's in your mind, it's buzzing, you know, when you've got a project and you're trying to problem solve, I found that a massive challenge. You almost have to transition and go, no, I compartmentalize. That's that part of the day. I'm doing this now. So you might have an activity like your commute home where you listen to a podcast or a piece of music and that's your transition where you shake it off. Um, Brendan Bouchard does this thing called a release meditation technique where he literally just goes release, 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 release. And he basically says, I'm getting rid of whatever I've just been doing and I'm moving, transitioning through a doorway into the next phase of my day. I found it really helpful with the kids to do that because it'd be like, right, okay, shake off whatever's happened today. I'm here for the kids now. So I'd walk in through the house and really happy to see them no, no matter what what horrible day had happened. So transitions really matter. And then the other thing to, to bear in mind is momentum. Once you've started doing something, don't stop. You know, if you stop, you just lose it. It's like, you know, you know from pausing your podcast. I know from pausing my podcast. When it happens, you really have that inertia. You struggle to keep going. So the, you need to keep the momentum. Motivation comes from that momentum. And then surround yourself with other people doing it. You know, unfortunately, sometimes you can get on those calls and be like, oh, God, everybody else feels like they're doing amazing and I'm not. But just know that everybody goes through these ebbs and flows. And if you can get around people who understand you or at a similar level than you, and then look to people who are doing the next level and thinking, okay, they're doing that. But rather than beating myself up about where I am, what can I copy? Or what can I replicate that is working for them that will help me just get a leg up and and give yourself a break because, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. I hope that helps. Does that help at all? It helps loads. I'm learning loads. (laughs) (laughs) I will listen to this podcast a lot (laughs) just to listen to all your tips again. (laughs) Honestly, those worked for me. Um, But that is the mindset shift. It's it's so easy to just go, well, I've got so much on with my job, so I'm just going to carry on my my jobs taking over. I've got so much on with the kids. It's so easy to fall into that, like I say, victim. But I just had to take the the mentality that was, I'm 100% responsible for this. Either I make this work or I keep blaming everybody else. But when they're gone, who the hell am I going to blame for the fact that I've I've messed up? And having a strong why, so like in your case, time with the family, a, a business that is pas- that you're passionate about, doing that to create your freedom, freedom, dictate your hours, you know, it's so important. And if if that pulls you so much, then we'll we'll do whatever it takes, but you just got to figure it out in the meantime. <laughs> Exactly. And I think, um, like I say, we we sometimes, sometimes the mountain feels so high and so big to climb, you know, and we just think, oh, you know, it's, oh, it's going to be impossible. Oh, I can't do this. But it is amazing. What's that saying? We 
yeah. overestimate how much we can do in a day, but underestimate how much we can do in a year. Because actually, it's just that little bit every day. And like you say, if you start with these small habit changes or these small things you start to do every day, um, one thing I do is like, yes, I'm, I am I started, I don't have time to read. Driving in the car between school, home, school drop-off, into the office and back, that's when I listen to podcasts. That's when I educate myself. And it's amazing that you realize like, oh, I've listened to all of this. Or oh, I listened to a whole audiobook in two weeks. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to have time, but I have time. You know, go and look at those spots where you're doing something where you can do it. I'm a runner as well, and I love running. So I listen, again, to 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 audio, to podcasts or books when I run. So I think we can look at our lives to make just these small changes, which you think won't have an impact. But it's amazing when you put all these little bits together, how much you actually, you actually can, can achieve. You have an amazing website. So being in IT, I'm sure you designed your own website as well. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, and um, I would say people need to go and have a look on that because that alone is already brilliant. Your mission is to help people make this change, but also then you you help business owners, as I understand, to create these processes and all these things to 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 better their businesses and I guess to get to having things maybe improved, like more automated, that they can have more time freedom and they can have the lifestyle that they want. How how can people get in touch with you? What services do you have that you can help them with, basically? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, so. I can be found on LinkedIn and Instagram. I am Sue Parker. You can DM me. My website is sueparker.io, which I'll, I'll again show you the links. So basically I, I do a range of different things. So I help people to do property investment passively as armchair investors, wow. because one of the things that I massively regretted was not getting buy to let portfolio and not working with people before I left my corporate job, because that puts massive pressure on your business. So if you imagine losing a corporate salary and then all of a sudden having to replace that with your business, then the passion disappears quickly because you have this, this stress, this unnecessary stress to get clients quickly. And it also means you agree to work that you don't necessarily want to do. You're not thinking scalably. So the property side of things is something I really work on um, or investment of any kind that provides income. But I, I focus on property. And then in terms of setting up the online business side. So, yes, I can guide people on what you need to do and all the different tick boxes like buying your domain, getting your website set up, but also most importantly, the email marketing automation. So getting people signed up so that you send them the lead magnet, you can put them on a welcome journey, but also then you can start to sell to them through your email and then delivering a digital course or a membership site to them, helping you get that set up. But the most fundamental thing that I do with a core group of ladies is we have our entre lifestyle entrepreneur mastermind. And this is where we do coaching, we do accountability, we support each other, we cheer each other on. Because to be honest, the biggest issues is not what do I do? How do I set up a website? How do I do this? You can Google a lot of that. You'll find people that will help you with. You'll figure it out. To be honest, the biggest blocker is us taking consistent action and believing in ourselves. I found that quite often you feel like you're doing all the right things, you're accelerating forward, but actually you've got your foot on the brake at the same time. So yes. you're constantly jerking and you don't believe it. And a lot of the time, we've just got to fully believe and go all in, take off the mask because in corporate, you're so used to putting on a front, a mask, a veil. 
And once we do that and we let our full, true self, authentic self come out, and you'll hear this so many times, your authentic self come out. But actually, when you do that and you throw yourself all in and you're okay about being judged and you're, you're fine because you're on your mission, you know what your why is, you know what you're doing. Once people feel in that zone, you can get into flow state, you can start to manage your energy. And it's it's entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. And I have ladies come on like, yeah, I won clients yesterday. Two weeks later, I'm in I'm in the lowest point in my life. Why am I doing this? I think I should get a job. And we do this all the time. We go in these ebbs and flows of self-doubt. And it's it's training and pushing past the resistance, building that strength, building the really good healthy habits that keep us going. And that's what my inner circle does. So I can help anyone in the, in any of those ways. But if nothing else, I hope that you listen to the podcast, this podcast and other podcasts that inspire and motivate you because it was those things that made me start my journey and then and then persist where, in the times when it was difficult. Definitely. And I must say, um, I mean, you know, your podcast have so many, so much great content and little, just, just short, you know, just doesn't take long to listen to, to most of them, you know, just short wisdoms and tips and things that just motivates well it motivates me and of course you have a wonderful voice you have the best podcast voice there's so much amazing energy so I do love, love your podcast so yes I think people really should go and listen there's so much content and so much help already just in yours Liza thank you so much for saying that that's so kind of you <laughs> it's true <laughs> Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much, Sue. Um, so much you know, wisdom, energy, and um, well done. Well done on what you've achieved. Um, you are a mum of three kids now, I think. Wow, yes, I am. Yeah, for and... my sins. <laughs> no, I love them. I love them to bits, but it's hard. I'm not going to make it sound easy, folks. It's really hard. But just know that it's worth it is worth it being able to dictate my hours. I, I wouldn't swap this life. I don't know anybody who's in this boat who wouldn't swap the freedom they have to go back. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time speaking to me. And thank you for everything you shared with us. And I just wish you all the best and success for the future. Thank you, thank you Sue. Bye. Bye. Bye.